Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Amen. So we are uh, two weeks into the third week into the series on the names of God. We started out with a faithful God. We, last week we looked at the, the Lord of Righteousness, Jehovah uh, Sid Canoe, the, the, uh, the God of Righteousness. And then today we're going to look at the God of Mercy. I love, I love this topic. I love, as I look forward, I was researching these topics and I found this uh, really cool. You guys have the um, version app on your phone? You guys have that? Like it's a, it looks like a Bible, it says Holy Bible, it's a brown little app. You click that on, access to all kinds of obviously uh, translations of the Bible, scripture, reading for the day, and then reading plans. If you're a person that needs to be encouraged, like to read plan, like to read every day, a little devotional thought, a little scripture, whatever, then these are good. And so I found one called Six Days of the Names of God by Tony Evans. It's a great little tool. And, uh, and I, on the second day came this name that I'd, I'll just be honest, I'd never seen before. And it's called Elohi Chasdi. Elohi Chasey. And I had this incredible PowerPoint presentation I was going to present to you today. And we get here and the computer's not working. And we have to, we have to like scramble and do something different. So just go with me in your mind that I had this great PowerPoint slide of the name Elohi, E-L-O-H-E, Chasey, C-H-A-S-S-E-D-I, okay? It means the mighty God of mercy. Man. Does anybody need any mercy today? Yeah. Did you ever play the game when you were younger with your, if you had an older sibling, like I had an older brother and he would like lock, we lock hands and then he began to punish me and like, like wrench my wrist back until I said the word, what? Mercy or uncle. I don't know why we would say uncle. My uncle wasn't there to help me. Nobody was there to help me. Just me. And said, mercy. And then he would let me go, right? And so the mighty God of mercy. It means this, he showers us with forgiveness, covers us with loving kindness. God is always truthful. He is always compassionate. Well, and then the fun began. I was like, all right, let's just dive in. Let's see what the Bible has to say about mercy. And the Bible has a lot to say about mercy. Tons of passages of Scripture that go along with this. So um, do this. If you have your own copy of Scripture... Just to, give you a, uh, just to give you a head start, I want you to find the book of Ephesians, okay? Ephesians chapter 2. This is the very first verse that I thought of when I thought about the word mercy. And I love this passage of scripture. I've used it several times over the last five years. So Ephesians chapter 2, okay? Then Jacob touched on it a little bit last week and in Romans chapter 3, Okay? All right, so it's in the New Testament, but, but, but we're going we're gonna to just dive in a little bit. We're going to mine out some verses about mercy in the Old Testament where, where we will discover that in Hebrew, in the Old Testament language, when you would find the word mercy or kindness or goodness, you would, might find the Hebrew word called hesed. And it's really weird. It's spelled C-H-E-C-D, but it's actually pronounced 
hesed. And it is a, and my, love, my wife loves this word, hesed. It's just this, this goodness and kindness of God. Right, so I want you to be thinking about this, that, that word hesed. When you hear like scriptures from Psalm 86 where it says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea for mercy. In Psalm 103, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read a lot of it because there's so much uh, mercy language in this passage of scripture. It says the subtitle for this, uh, for this Psalm 103 in my particular uh, a translation of scripture, which is the Christian Standard Bible, it says, The forgiving God. So it goes like this Psalm 103 My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity, he heals all your diseases, he redeems your life from the pit. Oh man, that's good, isn't it? He redeems your life from the pit, he crowns you with faithful love. And compassion. That's mercy. That's Hesed language that we're seeing here. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse you or accuse us or be angry forever. That's good news, right? He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. That's really good news. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like Trish posted this picture, this incredible picture of she went for a walk this morning and it's like the sun rays shooting up out of the clouds. And she's like, I need a, I need a heading for this. I need a title. I was like, his mercies are new every morning. You wake up. And in some ways, we kind of get to start over, don't we? Yeah, we kind of get to start over. Maybe we didn't eat so well the day before. We kind of get a fresh start. Uh, maybe we uh, didn't do so well at work uh, that day, and so we get to go in and kind of like tabula rasa, hopefully. Clean slate, you know, new mercies for the day. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it, says, Lord, I have heard your re the report about you. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. And then the prophet Micah in chapter 6, God uh, shows us what is good. And it says, and what does the Lord require of you? Okay, if you ever wonder, what does God require of me? It says, act justly. All right, so do the right thing. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Like, if you practice those three things just on a regular basis, life would be so much better for you. Just do the right thing, even when it's hard. Love mercy. We, listen, we all love it when mercy is given to us. I know I do. But it's when we have the opportunity then to turn around and give mercy back. 
Sometimes it requires us to stop and think, man, I know I'm supposed to, but do I really want to? In my flesh, no. But in my spirit, yes. Some of you that are new today, it's your first time here. Uh, a few weeks ago I talked about there is some, an individual saying some very untrue, very hurtful things about me and about our church. This morning, before church started, I had the opportunity to sit down with this person, with a few other people, to deliver some mercy as they came to apologize, as they came to repent, as they came to say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? Of course I forgive you. I have no choice. I am commanded to forgive you. And I am supposed to be a carrier of this mercy that has been given to me. I know that's not easy. And I'm telling you, I don't get that right all the time. But I'm a, I'm a husband, and so I've been practicing. Yeah. Cody, you know what I'm talking about, bro. And you're newlywed. <laughs> Some of you that have been married a long time. <laughs> you know what it's like to be a giver of mercy and a receiver of mercy. And so as we look at this Old Testament language, we see the hesed, the kindness of God being poured out. His faithfulness poured out to his people. Now, in the New Testament, there's another word that, uh, that they use for this. It's a Greek word called elios, which is very interesting, E-L-E-O-S. And we act, if you drank coffee this morning here at the Colony Community Church, it comes from the Elias coffee shop down in the city where they, it's a ministry of mercy to the homeless and the hurting. And uh, there's a gentleman that purchases the coffee for our church to serve to be a blessing to that ministry. Isn't that cool? So you participated in a giving of mercy by drinking the coffee today. Way to go. You did something good today and you didn't even realize it. The, the Greek word means mercy, kindness, or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Okay, listen, we can feel sorry for someone, but if we don't ever get to the place where we join with the desire to go actually do something to relieve their mercy... We're missing it. That would be like Jesus feeling really sorry about the fact that we were lost in our sin, dead in our transgressions, as we'll find out in Ephesians chapter 2, and saying, bummer. Good luck. But he didn't do that. Because of his, his great mercy, we'll learn, he came and took care of it. Uh, maybe it's um, um, of men towards men, like our mercy towards one another, like exercising a virtue of mercy, showing oneself to be merciful. And then of God towards men, in general providence, the mercy and clemency of God in providing and offering to men salvation by Christ. That's the mercy we celebrate the most. Have you ever heard of the, um, this phrase, this teaching in the book of Exodus about the mercy seat? The Ark of the Covenant, you guys are familiar a little bit with that? Like, once again, I had a really cool picture, okay, of the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a selfie with the Ark of the Covenant. It was just like a rendering, if you will. But it's like these two, like, winged cherubim, these angels over this seat, and they called it the mercy seat, okay? And so here's, as I looked up the definition, it says, the mercy seat was a golden plate of propitiation, and I'll explain that word, on which the high priest would go in one time a year on the Day of Atonement, and he would sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice seven 
times symbolically reconciling God to his people. The blood was the the payment for the sin of the people in order to restore the relationship between God and his people. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a beautiful picture. It just gets better as we go here. For one, atonement is the reconciliation of man with God through the life, suffering, and the sacrificial death of Jesus. Okay? That is what the atonement is. I want you to think about that. Now, propitiation, which is another word you probably don't use in a sentence very often, is the act of appeasing the wrath of a God. In our case, the God. So I want you to think about the atonement, reconciling relationship, the propitiation that, that actually appeases the wrath of God. Now, if you're a child in the room and you've all been children at one time or another, you probably remember your parents being very angry about a particular time in your life. Probably more than likely something you had done, right? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't really your fault, but let's just say it was your fault, all right? Just, just for illustration purposes. And you remember your parents being very angry, especially your dad. I'm just a dad, so I know how I can get very uh, frustrated sometimes. And you're thinking to yourself, what appeases the wrath of dad? <laughs> Number one thing that would appease my wrath was when my kids would say, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Or when they would tell me the truth. I lied to you. I shouldn't have. My wrath would go away because we got to the place of reconciliation where there was no longer an obstacle between the two of us. Keep that, keep that in mind. So the very first verse, though, that came to my mind when I thought about mercy was from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. So hopefully you're there. I'm going to jump there first. Start, we'll start out right at the beginning of chapter 2. All right, I want you to hear this. You've heard it before. I'm sure a lot of you have. I want you to hear it a little bit differently today when you think about this, the Elias, the mercy of God. And I want you to think about the imagery of the priest going in one time a year to to offer up the sprinkling of the blood seven times to reconcile God and man because of the, the sacrifice that was given by this animal. So Jesus, obviously, is the sacrifice we're going to talk about. So Paul's writing to these people. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he tells them, It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath. Under a curse, as the others were also. By nature, by the very being birthed into this sinful world, we are objects 
of wrath. And then come two of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. But God. But God who is rich in mercy. God has an endless amount of Elias, of Hesed for his people. Endless amounts. And if you're a parent and you look at your kid and you love your kid and you're frustrated with your kid but you still love them anyway, endless amounts. Take it to the nth degree with God because it's bigger and better. He's rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. And it says that he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Not only does he save us, which we didn't even deserve that. He saves us with his mercy. He seats us at the right hand. He gives us authority. He gives us the power. He encourages us. He walks with us. That is mercy. That is second chances, y'all. Yeah. Anybody else excited about this? I mean, seriously. If you were more excited to be sitting up front right here on the front row. If you went to the Chiefs game and they offered you a front row 50-yard seat, would you take it? Yeah, you know you would. Oh, no, I want to sit in the nosebleeds where I can't see the people and have to use my binoculars. No, you would sit up front. Get caught. If the pastor's not spitting on you, you're not sitting close enough, right? That's just what I'm saying. Unbelievable mercy. Dead in our sin, but because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy atones. He reconciles. God and man. You and me. All right, all right. Let's flip back to Romans chapter 3. Look at this passage of Scripture again. I said Jacob touched on it last week about the righteousness of God. We'll start in verse 21. The righteousness of God through faith. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Attested by the law and the prophets. Somebody's phone's ringing. I don't know. Whoever it was, they gave up. Okay, so listen, verse 22. The righteousness of God, okay, now being made right in God's eyes, is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Everybody say all. One, two, three. Who believe. Since there is no distinction, doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, there's no distinction. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all, everybody say all, have sinned. Look at the person next to you, they're talking about you. 
I know they're talking about you. <laughs> That's right. I live with you. I know they're talking about you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning, there's that word atonement, atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Now listen to this. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. All right, I want you to... I've always read this and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, why did he pass over the sins previously committed? Why didn't he do something about Why didn't he deal with those people in their sin? And I'll tell you, the number one reason why is because of mercy. And it goes like this. If he would punish you for your sin, the only thing that would happen is you'd be dead still in your sin. If he put the punishment of your sin upon you, you would just be dead. And there would be no chance for life. But God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous or so that he would be righteous and declare righteous to the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus became sin on our behalf. Did you know this? He became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Did you hear this? You become the righteousness of God because Jesus became sin for you and you do not deserve it. You don't. You got plenty of evidence in your life why you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. That's why we need his mercy. That's why we need Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we come to remember when Jesus literally takes our place and he puts his body where our body should be. And because of his perfection, he's able to satisfy the wrath of God better than any of us ever could think about it no matter how good you think you are and what good you could possibly accomplish here on earth, it doesn't satisfy the wrath of God. Only the sacrifice of Jesus does that. So in the story about the Ark of the Covenant and the the mercy seat of God, the priest goes in one time a year, he sprinkles the, the, the propitiation seat, the mercy seat, seven times. You know what the word seven makes me think of? Perfection makes me think of something complete. You know what that makes me think of? I had this cool PowerPoint slide that was going to pop up. You know what was going to pop up on the screen? The, the three words, it is finished. That's what Jesus has done. He finished the work salvation. He, he passed over the sins previously uh, committed because he was waiting for Jesus to come. For then Jesus to absorb his wrath, which he, he was, he was he, God deserved to be angry with us. And we don't like to talk about that. Oh, we want God to be a marshmallow. But God is a, a jealous God. He's a God of justice. But he's also a God of mercy and love, which is the best news ever, right? It's like a parent. Man, I can be 
stern with my kids, but I love my kids so much. So God's perfect mercy was exercised through his perfect justice. So I want you to think about this. We're moving forward here. Jesus is the atonement. So he reconciles God and man by shedding his perfect blood. We're going to celebrate that here today. Jesus is the propitiation. He is the worthy sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God. And Jesus is the once for all sacrifice. Jesus doesn't have to come back once a year, offer his blood again. Once for all people, ladies and gentlemen. For all of sin, but all who put their faith in Jesus can know his forgiveness and his mercy in our life. Jesus literally becomes the new mercy seat. Do you hear that? Jesus becomes the new mercy seat. He satisfies the wrath of God. And the end result is that everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus is saved from God's wrath and instead experiences his grace and mercy and his love. It's a beautiful thing. If you, I know a few of you a few weeks ago raised your hand and said, I've never put my faith in Jesus, I want to put my faith in Jesus. If you've done that and you want to seal that decision through the waters of baptism, in two weeks from today, we'll have, we'll have the baptismal waters ready to baptize anyone who wants to put their faith in Jesus and just bury their old life, raise the walk in a new life. If that's you, you need to let me know between now and then, okay? We'll have the water, we just need people. I'm trusting and believing that there are people who are ready to make that decision, so let me know. Okay, so quickly, we've talked about the vertical mercy of God and the, and the incredible blessings that come and how he shows his mercy to us. And we then have no choice but then to give that mercy away to others. So I want, real quick, I'm going to talk about the horizontal piece, the the second chances that we offer to one another. Maybe you, uh, you've had some harsh words spoken to you by friends or by loved ones, or maybe you know harsh words spoken about your friends or about your loved ones, and you are storing up some wrath inside of you for those people. Maybe you made some mistakes at school, kids. Maybe you made some mistakes at work, and you, you feel like, this is it, I'm probably going to lose my job, and you're looking for some mercy from other people. Maybe you made some un healthy choices. I was talking about eating earlier. Went to a movie last week. I ate most of a large popcorn at the movies. Don't do that. Not at 50 years old. Don't do that. It's a bad deal. Bad. I regretted that. Plus it was expensive too. Um, what about laws broken? Broken a law and you, you deserve to be punished. See, because mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And I heard this, uh, I just want to share a couple of stories with you. Uh, here's a modern day example of mercy. So this was on LinkedIn. I don't know if anybody else is on LinkedIn. You have that, that app or whatever. Uh, I don't really do too much on it, but I just saw this story. It said, uh, this guy told a story. He says, I had, a, I had to attend court this morning after taking my son to school. And so this guy in the blue shirt, so once again, picture this incredible picture of a courtroom and a guy in a blue shirt standing before the judge, okay? You got that in your mind? 
He had over $3,000 in traffic tickets, which accumulated over the course of three years. He just got out of prison about two months ago and is looking for current employment. It's been hard on him to get a job due to his background. Before he could begin to explain to the judge, the judge cut him off and said these exact words. Look, I know the system doesn't believe in second chances for a felon. In fact, the whole reform idea isn't exactly that. The judge says, I'm a man of God and I believe in second chances. You can't move forward with all these fines and felony on your record. I can't do anything about the tickets, these tickets, and write a letter. It says, I'm going to wipe out all of these tickets. I'm sorry. He says, I can't do anything about the felony. But I'm going to wipe out all of these tickets and write a letter to have your driver's license reinstated. You paid your debt to society. Here's a start to your second chance. Amen. Our mighty God of mercy is in the business of second chances. Do you believe that? Do you believe that for you? Do you believe that he's maybe wanting you to offer second chances to others? Because you want one, don't you? A third one or a fourth one. I've been given many. Once again, remember I'm married. I've been given many chances. So we're, we're supposed to be in the same business here on earth. Okay, two quick stories from the Bible. Two quick stories, literally. Matthew 18 and Luke chapter 10. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a question. Hey, uh, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Seven times? Oh, you've all been there. We've all forgiven somebody at least that many times. Once again, I told you I'm married. (laughs) My wife's forgiven me multiple times. And so then Jesus tells a story about a servant who owed the king a lot of money, $10,000 to say. He goes to the king. It says that he begged the king, and the king said he had compassion. Now listen, the word in this particular context, the word compassion, was a gut-wrenching, just deep down his side, feeling of just sorrow for this man. And it says he showed him mercy and forgave his debt. It's incredible. This man who had been been forgiven much goes out, finds another fellow servant who owed him about $200 and began to wring his neck and say, give me my money. Whoa, wait a minute. Didn't this man just receive an incredible amount of mercy, but yet he leaves that place and goes to this man who owes him very little and demands, actually has him thrown in jail, has his family thrown in jail until he can pay it all back. And it says that that man got told on. He, they brought the man before the king. And he's like, wait a minute. Didn't I show you mercy? How could you not then go and show your fellow servant mercy who owed you a lot less? Ladies and gentlemen, that's you and me. We walk in here and we recognize the incredible Elias of God, the Hesed kindness of God. We've received it, we've marinated in it, and then we walk out of here with bitterness in our hearts. It cannot be so, not for the people of God. We have to be wholly different in the culture that we live in. The other story is the Good Samaritan story. You guys know the story? You know, a man falls into the hands of robbers, he gets beat up. And then a priest walks by and avoids him. That's a good pastor right there. (laughs) Ah, too busy, got two things, I got a full bulletin. So I got to, you know. And then the worship leader walks by, avoids the guy. And then the youth pastor comes in. 
I always say that because I was a youth pastor at the time. Now I'm just throwing myself under the bus. Um, so he actually then begins to love the guy in practical ways. He, he acts, it costs him time. It costs him money. And then Jesus asked the question at the end. Because this whole thing started with some guy asking, well, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what, did this, what does the commandment say? Well, it says, love God, love others. Okay. Well, who's my neighbor then? Well, your neighbor is the one that you come in contact with that is hurting, that needs mercy. And Jesus says that we are to then go and do the same thing by showing mercy to others. Listen, this is not just a healthy suggestion that Jesus is giving people. To whom has been given much, much is required, and that's us. One more story. I just, so a couple nights ago, I got turned on to uh, this story, a documentary of um, the fastest growing church in the world. It's not the Calling Community Church. I'm not even going to go there. Fastest growing church in the world is the church in Iran. Did you guys hear that? You know why it's growing so fast? Persecution. Ladies and gentlemen, we're way too comfortable in America. I'm sorry, but we are. And here's a story of just one person that's in this movement. And actually they say that it's the powerful prayers of women in that country that have changed the, the culture. Yeah, women who are supposedly supposed to be silent crying out for mercy from the God of all mercy and God's answering their prayers. Churches are popping up in all over the place. Now I'm not talking about in public places like this. They can't do that. But people are passionate about the gospel and thousands if not millions of people have come to faith in Jesus. And this is just one story of a girl named Fatima. And because there's kids in the room, I won't share all the details. Just just say she went through some of the worst abuse you could possibly ever go through as a child. And then she was sold as a young girl to a 17-year-old man who was a drug addict who just took her home and took advantage of her. Um, Life was terrible for her. But on the streets, it says she heard the gospel preached and she trusted Jesus. And in time, she married a Christian man. And as they were receiving training in evangelism and in church planting, Fatima felt called to go back home to witness to her family, the ones who had abused her and sold her. Her entire family repented and gave their lives to Jesus. The first church Fatima and her husband planted was in her childhood home. That, my friends, is mercy. She had the news of everlasting life and she could have withheld it from her family because they deserved it. But instead, God who is rich in mercy makes us rich in mercy. And she goes home and she shares this with It's amazing. Now, 
quick public service announcement. If you're in a situation where you are being abused, physically or emotionally or whatever, you don't have to stay there. Okay, so there are times where you can offer forgiveness and mercy without having to continue to be abused. And you might need to get out of that situation. So that's why we're here. We'll help you. We'll, get some, we'll, we'll find somebody that can help you. You hear what I'm saying? I don't want you to think, well, Pastor Brady said, I've got to give mercy. I, I've received mercy. I have to, so I just got to just sit here and just deal with this. And that's not what it's saying, okay? Luckily, she was able to get out of that situation. Um, but then when she was healthy, she was able to go back, right? Hopefully you understand that. You've got to be wise. Find somebody that's wise and discerning and have conversations and figure out what you need to do next. All right. It was at the mercy seat that God met Moses and gave him the commandments of Israel. It is at the cross where God meets us and gives us the commandment to love others. We are the messengers of his mercy. Jesus taught, bless the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Give it away if you want to receive it. I'm going to have the worship team come. We're going to get ready to receive your serving communion. Go ahead and come on forward. Isn't that a beautiful sound? That baby crying? Isn't that the best? Here at the uh, Calling Community Church, because the way the auditorium is set up, what we do is we, when the music starts, you're going to stand up, and you're going to go, and uh, you're going to come to your right, and you're going to receive the bread and a thing of juice, and then you're going to go back to your seat. Um, and then once everybody has it, you just stay standing, and once everybody has it, then we'll eat together, and we'll remember. Um, and so, yes. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to your left. All right. Sorry. Going to your left. Uh, we're, we're used to going the other way, so we're going to our left. Your left. There you go. All right. And then if you came prepared to give today and you have your attendance sheet, this is when you give it. You drop it in the offering basket as you come forward. Um, and then you'll take your, the bread and the juice. So let's pray. Teach us, Lord. How to forgive those that have hurt us. Teach us, Lord, how to forgive those who have hurt those we love. Even if it means 70 times 7. We hope it doesn't mean that, but even if it does, Lord, teach us how. Empower us, Lord, to go and do the same like the Good Samaritan. That we would have gut-wrenching 
compassion inside of us to be merciful to others. Would you be, let us be like Jesus where when he saw the sheep, the people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. It says he had compassion on them. He had this gut-wrenching passion for them. Would we be those kind of people? Would, be, would that be the thing that draws people to Christianity? Like Fatima, when she went to her home, the love of Jesus impacted her family. Would the love that we have for Jesus impact those around us, God? As you come forward this morning, there's an old ancient prayer they used to pray. It was called, it says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And so you, probably all of us need to pray that for ourselves as we come forward today, just in our quiet, quietness of our spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And then if you're here this morning and someone comes to your mind, someone that's just been, you've been just struggling with it the whole time you've been here today and you're thinking, I need to be merciful to that person, maybe you need to change the prayer up a little bit and say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, help me have mercy on blank. You can only do it through his power. And trust him with the results may not go the way you want it to, but it's going to go the way God wants it to because you're going to be obedient to him. So as you stand, thinking, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. As you come to the table, as you receive. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.